0: Hey, it's Baz from Massive Wagons, and you're listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks Podcast.
1: Happening, everyone, happy Monday to all of you, beginning of the week, lots of opportunity, lots of excitement, come on, it's Monday, I know, just put a big cup of coffee in your belly, full of caffeine, full of sugar, and you can make it through the day, or maybe you have made it through the day, it's definitely Monday evening, but I'm sure Mondays are always the same, right? It's that uh, waking up, kind of hitting the snooze button a couple extra times, and here we are, Talking music on the Hook Rocks. I am your host, Jay Scott. Thank you again for tuning in. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great platform of music-related podcasts. There's something for everybody on the platform. Check them out at pantheonpodcast.com. Follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods, and also search them up on Facebook, Pantheon Podcast. You can check out some great, great podcasts. I usually do mention the same bunch, but... They kind of fall in line with what The Hook Rocks is about. So you've got Cobras and Fire, and you've got Shout Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus, Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian, the legendary Mistress Carrie, and Carmen Apice, Vinny Apice, local Chicago promoter, Ron and Esty, on the Hanging and Banging podcast. So check them out. Also follow us, The Hook Rocks, on Twitter, at The Hook Rocks. Search us up, like Pantheon Pods on Facebook. Search up The Hook Rocks and follow us on any streaming platform that you use and that, where you get your podcasts. And don't forget to set that app to automatic download. So every time we release a new episode, you get it right to your phone. You can use it on that commute to and from work. You can use it when you're cutting the lawn and doing yard work and you got the earbuds in. It makes your day less stressful. The Hook Rocks is clinically proven, I'm joking, to make your life easier and give you wonderful knowledge on the business of music, new bands that are coming up and also what legacy artists are up to. So check that out. And always thank you again for tuning in, write us a review. If you are so inclined, we've had some fantastic episodes coming out recently, like the new music spotlights with bourbon house, classless act, Bishop Gunn, great interview with Travis McCready. If you were wondering why that band is no longer, he tells you all about it. He tells you finally uh, to give his fans some closure and where he's going next. Great music, new music spotlight with the band Lucifer, and so much other stuff. Some other great topics. We did the remembering Eddie Van Halen episode at the beginning of the month. We've got Donnie V coming up shortly with his new music, formerly of Enough is Enough. We've got a live album review coming up with Live After Death with Iron Maiden and something special on Halloween. So stay tuned for that. And I'd like to welcome in our next guest. She has been on the show many times. She hasn't been on since June, which I was like, wow, that's ridiculous. And she's going to be doing quarterly episodes. We're going to be doing a lot of quarterly stuff in the new year. And we're starting in the fourth quarter in 2021. But one of the things we're going to be doing is talking about the business side of music, the back end, the stuff that you don't see, the stuff that maybe you're not aware of, the stuff that you do that has an impact on the bands and artists that you listen to. And we're going to be chatting about it. And it's the legendary Christy Eagle. <laughs> What's going on, Christy? How are you?
2: Hey, Hi, Jay. Hey, uh, thanks for having me back. It's always great to be here and talk music tech and all that kind of stuff. So thanks. And thanks, everybody, for listening. That was very cool. Yeah, you were and, recently
1: uh, on uh, Cobras and Fire.
2: That was super fun. Uh, Bakbo and I had a wild conversation and covered just about everything. So, um, yeah, that's up on SoundCloud, I think. You guys check out Cobras and Fire. Absolutely awesome podcast, I have to I have yeah. to say. I listen to him every chance I get.
1: Absolutely. He's great. Um, and, I, and I keep saying this more podcasts need to have you on because your knowledge about the business and what's been happening, whether it's, you know, the impact of NFT and blockchain technology, uh, streaming services, all that stuff, very important to what's happening in rock music and all of music today. And, you know, you, you provide some great knowledge and some great research. So it's always great to have you. So thank you again for doing this.
2: Thanks, Jay. Well, you know, I would say one of the, one of the things that is so difficult with music technology and business is that it moves at the speed of sound or the speed of light. You cannot, it's so hard to keep up with it. If you're not on top of it, I mean, so many things happen around the world on a daily basis. It's hard for anybody who's even into it to keep up, but for just a casual music listener, it's that much more difficult because things change constantly. So it's, that's, you know, if I miss three or four days and then I I catch up, some things have just changed so dramatically in three or four days that you're just you're, your head spins. Like what recently happened with streaming services?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, I that's you know really the main topic that we're going to be getting into is you know the headline on musicbusinessworldwide.com dot com is mm-hmm. Spotify and others and uh, Spotify and other streaming services propose the lowest royalty rates in history for songwriters. Yep. Right. Let me repeat that. Spotify uh-huh. and other streaming services propose lowest royalty rates in history for songwriters. Yep. How much yep. are they going to keep taking from these artists? How much? Uh,
2: uh, they want all of it. Yeah. Uh, so with Spotify, other streamers, dismissed. Songwriters, please, and demand lower royalty rates. So they, they're demanding it, and they're going to court for they're, yeah, they're
1: it. Yeah, well, they go you to know? court. They go to court every like five years, right, huh. to propose no. what they want to give songwriters, bands, artists for the amount of streams that they get, right? So they're only getting like point zero 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 one four cents. <laughs> Uh, per song, per stream. So the music streaming services like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, we all use them, right? Even if you don't want to admit it, you do use them to some extent, uh, have all filed documents with the U S copyright royalty board, CRB. And they basically, they're telling them what they want to pay songwriters for the five years between 2023 and 2027. The copyright act requires the copyright royalty judges to conduct proceedings every five years to determine the mechanical royalty rates paid by streaming services to songwriters and publishers. So every five years they review and they determine it's kind of like an arbitration agreement. You know, if you ever hear like a baseball player going through arbitration process. So the owners of the baseball team propose what they want to pay a player and and then the player's agent kind of proposes what they want. And usually what happens is the judge of the arbitration hearing files uh, uh, a decision basically in the middle. So even if, you know, they, they're they proposing the lowest rates in history. Now, are they going to okay. get that? Probably not. But right. They're going to land somewhere in the middle, which is still lower than it is now. That's what you need to know.
2: Oh, yeah. It's it's so low. Well, you know, after they raised the um, rates in 2018, um, and that was the most significant raise in the history of mechanical royalties, um, they the streamers immediately filed a lawsuit, and that lawsuit has actually been going on since 2018. It's still an active case. So they're, they're fighting the increase from 2018. So that tells you what you're up against. So they, I don't know if they win. Do they go back and retroactively, you know, demand money from uh, songwriters? that because they felt they were overpaid? I mean, what kind of settlement would that be? I mean, they're, they're, they're literally saying the money that was, you know, the increase that was given to you. We don't even want that one. And we're going to fight tooth and nail through every single legal avenue that we have to to stop that. We're trying to stop the shit from 2018. Right. So it only makes sense as we move forward for the next five years, 23 to 28. They like, they don't, I think if they could pay them nothing, I think that's the number they're looking for.
1: It's unbelievable. I mean, how much are you going to take off the backs of these artists, these struggling artists? And let's keep in mind, right, this is something that our listeners need to remember is when you subscribe to Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you're paying reoccurring revenue or reoccurring membership money every month, whether it's 9 dollars whatever it is, and that's reoccurring revenue that they get every month and the Mm -hmm. amount of money that is made by these streaming services is in the billions. Okay. Not just with, with the monthly memberships that are paid for, but people like you and me, but also record companies, you know, they pay to get their bands to get on the top of algorithms, sponsors and advertisers, you know, every time that, that, that playlist is interrupted by a, you know, a Hewlett Packard, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, advertisement or whatever.
2: That's all
1: revenue going to Spotify. They make a shitload of money. And not only that, they're also coming after the bands and artists live music money too, as well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're they're, It's incredible. So, uh, the, what they did in 2018 was, um, increase it from 10.5% to 15.1%. Um, so if they don't want that, you can only imagine what kind of numbers they're looking at as they move forward. And so all of the streamers are um, in agreement with it. So that's Spotify, uh, Amazon, Google Music, uh, Apple, Pandora, all of them, every single one of them. There's not one of them out there tamping, well, maybe SoundCloud, but there's very, very few. Streamers that are out there camping and the monetary re- remuneration for someone. There's, there's like nobody. They're, the only people that are really out there for them um, is the Music Publishers Association and the National Music Publisher, Publishers Association. And they've been proposing, they have a proposal out that they're trying to get through. And what they're proposing is that the streamers um share twenty percent of the ra- of their revenue. You know, and they make billions each individually. So when you combine them all together, you know, I don't know, it could be a trillion, I'm not sure, but it's a very high number. So the publishers are what they'd like is twenty percent of the revenue or forty percent of what the record labels and the artists receive, or a dollar fifty per subscriber, or 0.0015 per play which that doesn't sound like very much as a fraction of a penny, but it's a lot better than uh 0. 0.00034 or 0. 0.00014 like over on YouTube. So, I mean, you know, I think that that is a reasonable proposal. Um, but I have a feeling that that is not going to get shot down. And then you also have to remember on the streaming services, the people that don't get paid, the people that don't receive any money from that or, the session players who are on the music and, and backing vocalists and singers and, and things like that, because they're not necessarily getting performance uh, royalties and they're certainly not getting songwriter or publishing or anything like that. They're literally getting the $500 or whatever it was for them to come in and sit down and lay down a guitar rhythm or a guitar solo. They're, they don't get any money from streaming.
1: At what point does a music consumer feel bad about what's happening? Now, I know that you know, it's similar to what happened with cell phones, right? Cell phone carriers wanted you to have this piece of technology in your pocket that allows you to check email, take pictures, uh, you know, give you directions where you're going and all these other stuff. And oh, by the way, also make phone calls too as well. So they get, you, they get you to put everything on this phone. They give you everything unlimited. It's, oh, buy this phone for this much and get this for that much. And then, all right, well, now we're going to raise the cost of phones. We're going to raise the cost of the service. We're going to do all mm-hmm. these things. After they've pulled you in and made you so yep. reliable on the cell phone, now they're going to yep. screw you over. And it's the same thing with the streaming services. They get oh, yeah. you at the 599 membership, they get you access to all this music, then they raise it to 799,
2: and mm. now you can
1: you know now you get different things happening on your, on your Apple and you get access to this and access to that. Now it's 999, now it's 12.99. and every time it goes up, they keep lowering the amount that they want to pay the artists. How does that Fine. work? How does that work? Like you're increasing the price and you're lowering the, the payout to the artist. And as a consumer, when are people going to start feeling bad that in the end you are ripping off the artist? Now, I understand that if you, you know, I have a streaming service and I use it for a few things. I use it, one, if I want to check something out before I buy it. And number two, if I'm in the car or if I'm you know working out or if I'm doing something, I have all this music in my phone. But as many of you know, I also purchase a lot of physical music, a lot of vinyl, a lot of CDs at shows. I go to a lot of shows, I spend money on merchandise. So, you know, when is it going to happen where the people that are basically ripping off the artists by having a streaming service? are either you know, not going to buy merchandise, not buying the physical copy, when are you going to start feeling bad that this enjoyment that you're getting, you're basically getting it for free? And the people that are struggling to make this beautiful music for you are getting ripped off at every corner. Every corner they're getting ripped off.
2: Well, because the streaming services aren't set up to advertise that or educate people. Well, they don't want up, to educate well, people. No, they set up. For, you know, the consumer to have easy access to music and build a playlist. And, you know, there's a whole generation out there that really only like songs and not albums. And they really only like playlists. And so for them, Spotify and all the others, they're just very convenient to thumbs up or put into a playlist, you know, the songs that they want. And then the consumer just hits play and off you go. You know, I mean, well, what's interesting, I read a statistic this morning that said that Spotify's unpaid subscribers are increasing faster than the paid and that they expect by 2023 to have more unpaid subscribers than paid subscribers. At the same time, another headline that says that Wall Street expects and, you know, Wall Street has a lot to do with this these days and music. They expect Spotify to possibly go up 30% in the next couple of months.
1: Up 30% so, in terms of what,
2: revenue? Yeah, in terms of revenue. Uh, their stock is going to increase by as much as possibly 30%. So it's a buy right now. You know, it's a buy and hold from what I understand. And so they're doing things that are really... Um, attractive to stockholders and shareholders and Wall Street you know and I think one of them is you know getting a product that's virtually free you know Mm -hmm. if you think about it there's a huge thrift store that was started by a guy who thought hey what can I get for free and put 100% markup on it One of the most successful thrift stores in the world, uh, at least in the U.S. And I mean, it was a model that worked for him. He got people to donate and give him clothes, and uh, he hung it up on hangers, marked it up one hundred, one hundred fifty percent, thousand percent, whatever, and sold it and made a huge profit. Multi millionaire, multi billionaire kind of profit. You're talking well, about? You're talking about model. Goodwill. Yes, I'm talking about Goodwill. No, nope. is that like you're telling me goodwill, this. You know,
1: you're telling me this, and I'm like, <laughs> that's absolutely amazing people donate this stuff and then (laughs) they turn around and sell it they're basically getting Uh everything for free i'm like Uh it's so genius but it's so wrong at the same time like
2: it's you know it's a model that's proven and works and now is going to be richly rewarded on wall street you know the people that are going to make money off music that's uh playing on spotify and all the streamers are stockholders and you know, stockbrokers and hedge fund managers and people who are moving around, you know, hundreds of thousands of shares and dollars on a daily basis, you know? and I mean, do they stop and ask, wow, I wonder if everybody, you know, did they pay the songwriter and the people who played on this music? I'm sure that thought has never crossed their mind.
1: No, no, not at all.
2: No, they've got quarterly profit sheets to worry about you know and i mean that's like one of the huge changes in the last few years in the music industry is wall street turning their eye because they're always looking what's the next big thing to make money off of you know and we've talked about you know legacy artists selling their, their all their copyrights in bulk and you know taking a tidy hand out and moving on I mean, because, you know, they're thinking in themselves, I'm never actually going to make this kind of money on streaming. So I might as well sell it and, you know, to hypnosis or whatever, or Sony and, you know, cash out. Right. So it's like it's a commodity. Well,
1: you know, the NMPA has come out, Mm -hmm. you know, it talked about the filings and their contents, which had not been made public yet.
2: No, we don't know what the rates are.
1: But they, but they're claiming that you know they've proposed the lowest royalty rates in history, and you know it's not surprising when you consider how they've treated artists in the past, and it's only right. going to get worse. And you know for this attitude over the last decade plus that you know the music industry is not making any money, that's a bunch of BS. They're yeah. making way more money than ever before. Oh, yeah but the artists are making way less. They don't have yeah. to pay pay the artists advance advance on their records. They don't have to pay them anything. You know, they don't there's no back end. Like when a when a, you know for the new artists that are listening for the new bands that listen, there's no back end. So any record label that tells you, "Oh, we'll make it up on the back end." There's no back end. Uh-huh. There's none. There's zero back end. Uh-huh. And you know, I know a lot of young bands get fixated on getting a record deal. You know, whether it's with a lot of these independent record labels, I don't know how they all structure their deal. So I don't want to make too much of a blanket statement, but stay away from 360 deals because Mm -hmm. your money is going to be made touring and don't let anybody Mm -hmm. get any of that money. You're the one that's performing. You're the one that's doing all that stuff. Don't let a record label come in and take a percentage of that because that's free money to them. Yeah. I
2: mean, yeah, so as a, a young artist, oh, I'm sorry to me interrupted, no, but uh, as a young band, so you're not going to make any money off streaming because it's a pro rata model. Unless you build your own subscription base over at SoundCloud, they're going to, they're going to split that with you. I think it's a 60-40, you know, um, but it, the record label is, um, probably if they give you an advance, you're going to have to pay that back before anybody else. And a lot of times with interest. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's a struggle because you're trying to sell what? Downloads and CDs. Do you have vinyl? If you want vinyl, you're going to have to make it. I mean, everything in, in that particular department is backed up for at least a year. So it would be a year before you even had a physical vinyl to sell. Um, making CDs, it doesn't cost as much, but it's still, there's some cost involved with that. I mean, so when you, when you go into a deal, you have to look at, you know, where are the income revenues coming from? You know, and you can't rely on streaming. I, I think streaming goes into the expense column, actually, these days. I wouldn't, unless you're a you know, Beyonce or whatever, are really big artists who's selling and getting millions and millions and millions and millions of streams. Because You have to have those kind of numbers to make any money. Um, you know, you're, you have to look at streamers and especially Spotify as a cost of promotion, as a cost of getting your music in front of new ears, you know, and using something like their discovery mode which takes they take even more per play, but they do push your song out in front of more people. So to me, You know, I was looking as a band manager or, um, you know, the CEO of a band company or whatever. I would have to check with my accountant, but I would definitely not put that in a uh, revenue income column. Uh, I would definitely put that at an expense. And I I think that's where it is. I think, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be money in streaming, especially with this shit that's going on right now. They literally want you to give them their product period and if you're giving away your music you like i mean you probably made more money busking quite frankly but you're giving them the product so you can't really i think expect a return on that anymore
1: well the only the one good thing for a streaming service for a new band and a new artist that's trying to get noticed and get on a tour is the algorithm is the streams, Mm -hmm. right? Because the, the streams basically are the currency that you can utilize for, you know, getting yourself on a tour, getting yourself on a festival, right? That's the important thing of how many streams you have, because when you are getting looked at for a tour or you are getting looked at for a festival there, those, those promoters are looking at what you're doing in streams, so they do they do have a purpose, right? Right. You know, there's those pre-you know, pre-save campaigns that bands and artists right. have. You know, that's all very important and if you are a fan of those artists, you should do all that stuff. You should do right. all that stuff for the band if they're asking you to do the pre-save stuff. New Classic Rock in North America who you can follow on Twitter at NCR NCRINNA. He does he sent me something and he sent the group that we're part of you and I are a part of about the algorithms and what they do and the importance of you know putting a favorite you know on a song or a band that's new and up and coming what that means for them and getting into an algorithm that will you know someone else may play that has a that has a uh, you know their, their streaming service on, sh- on shuffle and it may right. show up and something like that so that does matter. And there is those campaigns to get so many streams because I don't know what mm-hmm. the number is, but the streams are important if bands want to be able to sell merch on tours and at festivals. So well, th- that is important.
2: Well, yeah, again, it's promotion. Uh, you know, you, you can't be looking and I and I'm probably the bands out there already figured out that there's not a whole lot of money to remain streaming. So it just simply has to be a promotional tool. At this point, is it completely unfair to songwriters and creators? Absolutely. I mean, to have, you know, multi-billion dollar companies making more money off your product, off your hard work, off your music, you know, and you're not going to see anything from that. The only thing you can really do then is look at it as a promotional tool and take advantage of every promotional tool that they're going to offer you right? Because it does count. I mean, when I am looking at bands, I go to their YouTube and I look at how many subscribers they have, you know, how many people have summed up their songs. If I'm playing a song on my show, I want to see that like there are some other people that have heard it and liked it too. So it absolutely has some cachet and, you know, and that cachet is, you know, it's the lifeblood now. Exactly. It's the currency. That's a really important aspect. I mean, you know, you just kind of have to, I think, re- Imagine the way streaming comes into your to your music. You know the way you use it. Spotify does say that they're rolling out um, a new product. They had a product that was called Merch Bar, where fans could uh, go on your Spotify site and buy merch right off of the site. How much they get on that? How much?
1: How much percentage they get on the products?
2: Yeah, yeah. I couldn't find that number (laughs) today. (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't find that number, uh, but they're going to replace it. Okay. So apparently that didn't work out. So they're gonna, they've um, entered into a, a joint venture with, or I'm not sure what exactly what it is, but with Shopify. So apparently now you can link um, your merchandise right to your Spotify account. And it says that you can have up to 250 items, but you're only going to be allowed to show three on your profile. And this is the part that I really like. Hold on, let me tell you. Um, So when they roll it out, they're going to roll it out in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United States, and the UK. And guess what? They're going to offer you um, for you selling your merch on your profile that they're not paying to play your music. They're going to give you a 90-day free trial to sell your merch on Spotify. So to me, I read that and I go, oh, they're just finding more ways to get a slice of every dollar that touches Spotify. That's what I see. Yeah,
1: it's coming. And then, you know, as a new band and you're trying to get exposure and you're putting your music on Spotify, you see this like, oh, they're going to help us sell merch. Yes, they're going to help <laughs> you. But nothing in life is for free.
2: Okay?
1: And based on how much they're giving you per stream... How much money do you think they're going to give you for your merchandise? As As a note here, for anyone listening, okay, if you utilize streaming services and you're not buying the merchandise of the bands you're listening to or you're not supporting the bands in a certain way, you're not supporting them if you're buying it through Spotify, you're buying the merch through Spotify, go directly to the band's website and buy the merch from there okay yep don't buy it from Spotify don't buy it from a streaming service buy it from the band directly on their website or All go right. to a show and buy a shirt buy a CD buy a sticker buy a button buy whatever and and do that but oh, yeah, yeah. do not buy stuff that's connected with any streaming service because it's because that's how the bands are living these days by merchandise and if you're gonna oh, yeah. buy it from a streaming service link, they're gonna, you're gonna. I mean, I mean, seriously, you're. They're not making any money. Stop being the the enabler of these <laughs> exactly. companies to screw over the artists. That's what you're doing as a consumer. As a consumer, you are enabling these giant monstrosity streaming service companies to fuck over the artists without
2: Vaseline. It's the truth. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, I in 2020 because touring wasn't happening. I went to all the tours that I was going to go and see and buy merchandise. Anyway, I went and bought t-shirts and albums and, you know, chotskys and what have you from all the bands I was going to see. It was about 10 or 12. And so, and I, and one of them sent me an email, pretty well known band. And they were like, you have no idea how much this helps us. This, this is true support. And I was just like, you know, I, it was my pleasure to help you guys because I know that money. I've printed T-shirts. I've done live events. I've managed bands. Oh my God. I know how expensive it is. And, and, you know, when you have to decide between, you know, do we get the water pump replaced on the van or do we buy 300 shirts and get them printed? You know, it's about the same cost and you got to pick one. Right. So, so, you know, hit the PayPal when you have a chance or whatever and, and buy a T-shirt from them. It's, so much more effective and helpful than playing a stream. I mean, the playing the stream again goes to the promotion, might help them get other gigs, but that's not going to put actual money in their pocket that day. You know?
1: Right. Right. You know, I will, I will will refrain from mentioning the band's name, but it's a newer band Mm -hmm. and it's a band that I enjoy. I love, I support them. And I went to the, to a show of theirs earlier in the summer and they didn't really have much merch at the table. Oh, and a buddy I was with was like, man, I'm disappointed. They they don't have this. They don't have that. And I said, you got to keep in mind, they haven't played much because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're struggling right now to, to make some money. So oh, yeah. I, I recently saw them again, and they had a lot more merch at the table. It, you know, the T-shirts were in all sizes. They had a lot of stuff. Because they've been playing the last yeah. several months, the last four or five months. And yeah. that's, that's important because that's how they're making their money. And, and a lot of them put that money they make back into getting more merch and getting all that oh, yeah. stuff back into studio time to make music, yeah. to do all that stuff because the streaming services don't pay them any money. There's no big advances. Yeah. And if you are signing a record contract with a label, oh, yeah. big or small, you need to have someone looking over that contract to make sure when they talk about the back end, there's something in that contract that guarantees they're going to do what they say. okay? Uh Because a lot of them just go, oh, we'll take care of that back end. But there's nothing in the Mm -hmm. contract that stipulates what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And that's why I'm saying that if you don't get a deal that you're happy with from a record label, in my opinion, it's better to just be independent do your own thing, make your own stuff. Look at Blackberry Smoke. You know, Blackberry Smoke, you know, they're not on they're on their own label. That's an independent label. They don't do anything, you know, with a big label, and they're fine. They tour. You should see their merch table when you go see Blackberry Smoke. It is <laughs> impressive. <laughs> impressive. Like they've got like 12 different t-shirts, they got vinyl, CDs of and they have CDs of every CD they've done, right? There you go. You know, not, you know, stuff stuff that's out of print where they got a reliance of. They have everything there they got pins lighters hats everything so you know
2: sounds like pearl jam
1: <laughs> yeah i mean but that's the thing like b there's nothing wrong with being independent not having a record deal no longer means that you're a failure as some people used to quantify that back in the 80s and the 70s and 90s or whatever right if you're going to do it yourself to get to a level where you need to be at continue doing it yourself because you're going to keep yeah. more of the money Oh yeah, right. You I mean, mean, a
2: label. A label could do something like, "Well, we'll let you keep your merch sales, and we're going to take fifty percent of the music sales, you know, across physical and digital, and we also can take fifty-one or sixty percent of your copyright." Now, if you have a hit, and your song is actually doing really well on the streamers and getting millions and millions and millions of views, remember. They own, they're now the copyright holder, right? The record label. Your new record label is now the copyright holder. And you're only going to get a little tiny bit of that. Because remember, you're going to have to pay back all the expenses first. So um, so like even if you are on a label and you have a hit, and you have to give away your copyright, you're still going to get screwed on the back end through streaming. You're still not going to see a lot of revenue from that, you know? It, the number, it just doesn't pencil out. Right, there's a lot of independent bands out there that are doing their own thing, have their own platforms. Small Town Titans comes to mind, Black Hat Mojo comes to mind, that they're doing it their way. You know, Rival Sons, they just recently got all their masters back and opened a new label called Sacred Tongue, I believe. And uh, they're re releasing some of their old stuff on their new label. Yeah, right, because it, it's more fun. So if you see that happening, right? So you have to say to yourself, those albums didn't get promoted correctly, and they didn't have any sales. They're great albums, and nobody heard them. So they had the wherewithal, and of course, they've been around for a while, so they probably have more capital, and they were able to get all their masters back. You know, and that's really important as a, as a young band because it just takes one song, and you know, like the guys who wrote the hit songs for uh, Friends. They wrote one song and then they were done, right? They didn't have to write another song. So, if you hit one song and you own it, then you're going to be okay. But if you don't own it, you had to give it away for a compromise. Just realize you're not getting those revenue streams and you're probably still in debt to your record label. Think of it like a loan. I'm like the sketchiest loan charge you've ever met. (laughs) You know, that's that's the thing too. (laughs) You know, that's the thing too.
1: Like when you, when you talk about all these things and you know, if they own half of the copyright or if they own this, or they, they're going to take a percentage of that. My first question, you know, having a business background, my first question is (laughs) what are you doing? Mr. Record label or Mrs. Record label to, to help promote the band sending, you know, mass emails to people like myself, podcasts like myself and whatever is really, I mean, that's basic. I mean, that's nothing, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, a, 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 subscri- a subscription list, a mailing list, whatever. I mean, if that's if that's a record label's, you know, big thing on how they're going to promote you, you're with the wrong record label. You know, find oh, out yeah. what they're going to do to help you with the back end. How? Find out what they're going to help you to promote your music, your streams, get you on radio, I will tell you this. I had a conversation with a singer of a new emerging band and the importance of getting on satellite radio, whether it's Octane, Ah, whether it's any of those stations is very important. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Almost more important than, you know, the streams. And that really is a gateway to getting more streams. Your record label, your management company needs a reputable person that has connections with radio, and with satellite radio to get your music yeah. out. If your music is mm-hmm. not played on local radio stations before you're coming to town or in college radio or on satellite radio, that management company's not doing their job. I had a okay. conversation. If, you, if anyone wants to go listen to the conversation I had with Carmen Apiece, the mm-hmm. legendary drummer, was in Vanilla Fudge, Rod Stewart Band, Cactus, Blue Murder, King Cobra, and what happened was with King Cobra is they had great songs. If you listen to that first album, ready to strike, right. That was back in the, the glam heyday with the poisons uh-huh. and all that stuff. And they had the look. If you look at the, the guys in that band, which was Carmine and Mick Sweeta, who let, later went on to, um, uh, bullet boys, Johnny Rod later went on to wasp, uh, the other guitar player, uh, I can't remember his name. I think it was David something. Uh, he ended up playing with a band called Big Cock, which was Robert Mason's old band, who's now who's sung with Lynch Mob and other bands, and then Mark Free, who had a transition, and his now named Marcia, or Marcy Free. But when Ooh. you look at that band back in 84, 85, they had the look. Mm-hmm. Carmen, You know what Carmen said? They had the look and they had the mm-hmm. songs. If you listen to that first album, you'll agree with me. They didn't have the radio guy at the management company. Right. They didn't have the guy that could get them in front and get them on radio. Then he goes to Blue Murder, right? That's a good map With John Sykes and Tony Franklin where they have the yeah. radio guy, but the songs are not commercial enough right. to get constantly played like Valley of the Kings and Jelly Roll and all that kind of stuff. So it is important to this day whether you want to say terrestrial radio is not what it used to be you are correct in saying that but there are still markets where radio is very important and if you can't have someone who can get you on on Sirius XM and you can't get you know someone on your stations that are college stations you know in town or local radio rock stations like 95 Will Rock that's here and a couple others you're you need a management company that is not just sending mass emails to your subscription list as a, as a way of promoting you. You need oh. you need boots on the ground that mm-hmm. work hard for you, work hard for you, and that's what you need to be asking when you when you have a record label or a management company approach you.
2: Yeah, uh, so that particular person is called a radio pusher there are actually people that do that out there independently of a record label, but they cost money and finding them is difficult. Um, but once you get one and you can afford to have a radio pusher, that to me as new band, I'd be far more concerned with securing somebody on my team that can do that. than I would be my streams on Spotify and stuff like that, because, you're going to get way more bang for your buck right Like then 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 putting you know then splitting merch sales with spotify you know i mean i i just think you're absolutely right getting on octane getting on some of the the even on their internet discovery channels cuz they all have internet only discovery channels getting on those channels is the next step getting onto the the actual octane you know that's um that you listen to in your cars. That, to me, that's a key role. And if you are going to sign with a record label, I mean, there's some things you need to know. Are they going to have anybody help you with social media? You know, huh? do they? are they going to front you any money for merch or a tour or whatever? But also, what's your radio pusher like? You know, are you, what are the connections like? Are you going to be able to get a... I mean, if you have a radio pusher that doesn't know the connections in your right genre that won't help you, right? So if they're doing pop and hip hop and rap and you've got new metal or hard rock or metal, they're not gonna be a, they're not gonna help you much. So it has to be the right person on your team, you know, and if your record label doesn't really wanna go down that road and you're coming in the door with a record company, you have to realize that they may your album may never get hurt.
1: Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think of, I think of, you know, one of the new emerging bands that are out there, which is the band Plush. Their song, Hate, blew up on on satellite radio. Mm -hmm. And what that did was it led to streams. Now, it blew up on on satellite radio. It led to that song getting a lot of streams. Their next, you know, Mm -hmm. song came out, Athena did very well. Well, they just got done doing a tour with Mammoth. They they are going to be touring with Lizzie Hale and Evanescence, and now they're going to be doing the tour with Slash and the Conspirators. They don't get on those tours without breaking on Octane.
2: Exactly, they don't.
1: They don't. Uh, maybe exactly. the Lizzie Hale, because I know Lizzie Hale has has had a hand in their success. But um, yeah. a- as far as the Miles, Ken- or the Slash and the Miles Kennedy tour and the Mammoth tour, they're not on those tours unless you know they're, they gain their popularity on. Satellite radio, and that was confirmed Absolutely. by the singer of that emerging band. In a conversation after the show, where he's like, "We need someone to get us on satellite radio."
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's way more important.
1: Way more important.
2: Uh, that it's just, you know, I mean, that's what you—it's a numbers game, right? So the algorithms on the streamers can only put you in front of people they think are going to like you but I, you know, I don't have Sirius in my car anymore, but when I did, I would turn, I would go through my channels every morning on my commute. I have a lengthy commute and I would listen to Octane, Octane probably every single morning. You know, every single morning I had Octane on and if they were playing somebody, I loved it. They're like, this is brand new, just came up from the discovery check this out and I'll play it and And the thing about those DJs, they get really excited about new music. I mean, I really like their vibe and the way that they really enjoy playing new music and new rock for their fans. You know, so to me, that would be at the top of my list. You know, even without a record label, would be at the top of my list above everything else. You know, because that's going to get you somewhere where you could have millions of streams on Spotify and you're still not on a tour, you're still struggling to, you know, get the money for t-shirts and stuff like that. I mean, you know? Yeah. You just have to really think about that as a, as a young band. Like, where where are you going to put your energy and time? Because as we discussed on this show, Jay, you know, I'm looking at my notes and everything just tells me that the streamers and masse have no desire to increase uh, revenues for songwriters ever, (laughs) ever. They want to reduce it. So, and they're going to, this is going to be in court probably for a decade. And I think at the end of it all, you know, they're really powerful and they've got powerful lobbyists and lawyers and they're probably going to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll string it out as as well, and and what they do, it's you know, it's kind of like the malpractice attorneys for hospitals. They'll string it out and they'll string it out until you know you go away or until you you give up, you know, and and that's the that's the it's the time game, you know. They're they're playing, Mm -hmm. you know, they're 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 playing the clock against you, yeah. And I mean,
2: um, that's what's happening. That is what is happening right now. It's crazy. You know, I hear people, I know, I know indie bands that have those, you know, 500,000 streams, 700,000 streams, 1.2 million streams, you know, Um, but they're still struggling. They still have to do GoFundMe for their albums. You know, they still have to um, have a Patreon account, you know, so you just look at, at reality, you know, and, I, for me, the only way I can really cope with streamers um, being just so blatantly evil is just to put them in a completely different category. You know, like it's discovery and um, it's a promotional tool, and that's it. You know, I yeah. I, I, work, I work with I work with a couple of musicians and bands. I'm coaching on the side and. One of them told me, he goes, he absolutely freaking loves Spotify because he can just like make all these crazy playlists and you know just have music, his music like he wants it all the time in the order he wants it. And then I said, yeah, but what about when he, are you gonna put your music on Spotify? And he's like, fuck no, they're not getting my music. Yeah, so it's
1: you know, you know, he, think of think of radio as like the gate. You know, mm-hmm. you, if you if you find someone to push your music on satellite radio or you know, then on terrestrial, radio, like KOS or some stations mm-hmm. on the East Coast or some stations here in Chicago, that will lead to the streams. Whereas yeah. if you're focused exactly. on the streams, that, ne- that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have your song on Octane or Boneyard or no. wherever you're going to no. have your song. You got to have someone pushing you and getting in front of people mm-hmm. because the streams then will come after it. And the big tours, the big tours will then come after everything comes in a sequence. Don't skip any steps. Spend the money on pushing your music to radio satellite and terrestrial radio college town radio that will lead to the streams. And if your management company is worth what they say they are, they will then have the connections to get you on tours, to get you playing places to doing all these things. So that's, that's really where it's at. And I know, you know, it might be frustrating for new artists, but that should be, you know, your first eye on the prize should be like you said, a radio pusher.
2: Yeah. If you've got your album done, you paid or you did it at home and it's mixed and it's mastered and your production is great and you've got the artwork and, and you've got, you know, your fan brand together. Right. And, So there's something you guys can probably do on your own, and that is you can definitely get on internet radio, uh, which is great because you can put in your EPK and maybe try and get an interview or podcast. That's great. And you can can definitely market yourself to college radio. And you start in your own town, right? Every town has a little college radio or college radio nearby you, college nearby you with the radio station. You can start there. You can build that up yourself. And if you have some of that momentum going already, then that is a great place to start looking for the professional radio pusher, right? Because you've already done a little groundwork for them. So they just need to step in and build on what you already got going, right? So relying on somebody else to promote your music when you haven't done anything yourself is a little bit unrealistic. And if you're thinking that's what a record label is going to do for you, you're just going to make the song and that's it. Um, that's probably a little bit naive. I mean, I know tons of bands who are signed to small and independent labels, and even some larger independent labels. They still handle their own social media. You know, I I hear the number one thing that a lot of artists and and songwriters and bands don't want to do. They're like, I just want a record label so I don't have to do my social media anymore. And I'm like, well, you know, depending on your deal, that's probably not going to be included, you know, for an unknown band and your first record deal, you're
1: probably going to have to do a lot of things yourself. Yeah. Money talks and you've got to learn to spend your money as an artist, as a band in the right places and, you know, Absolutely. where your money's going to work for you. You know, when you talk about a radio pusher, that money is going to work for you. You invest in exactly. it and there's going to be in most cases a payback. If you get the right person, if you get the right you know person doing what they need to do. Whereas if you're paying someone to, to run your social media, yeah. I mean, you should have your social media all tied down. And then once someone starts pushing your music to radio, then mm-hmm. that's when that investment in social media then picks up. But again, that's a cost, right? That yeah. You need to yeah. have that's infrastructure in your band right. that you need to have. The radio pusher yeah. is out there with the, that's the boot on the ground working for
2: right. you. So True you know, because I think probably at the beginning of streaming, I maybe collectively, everybody felt like, Oh man, this is going to save music. You know, musicians are artists and songwriters and publishers. And they are all finally going to get paid. And, you know, people are going to hear our music all over the world. And we're going to be able to tour based off in it's the savior of music. It's not, no, no. <laughs> it's not, it's a business. They have, you know, and, Ultimately, at the end of the day, those companies are going to do what's best for their corporations because that's what a corporation is. A corporation exists solely to make money and pay its shareholders, right? And the CEOs and the people who run it. And that, so the more, the less they can pay for their, for the thing that, <laughs> is the basis of their business model. If they can get that for almost free or free, well, then they're doing their job.
1: What do you want to talk about next? What's the next topic?
2: So, well, there's a couple of things. So um, I want to talk about touring because, um, you know, touring came back. And I know we've all been out to a lot of shows, but at the same time, a lot of shows are canceling and I read a really interesting article that sometimes even one cancellation and a tour can just devastate the band and just wipe out all of their profits and, and it just be an incredibly devastating loss. And I know a lot of bands have had to cancel because of the COVID and, um, um, they, and some of them have have had to cancel their tours completely, you know, they from 2020 been canceled and rescheduled for 2021 and then canceled again. Right. So for bigger bands, you know, like, um, I guess it was Guns N' Roses and stuff. They were able to reschedule and of course they're playing arenas, So they're big established bands and, um, they're going to take the hit and move on if they have to cancel one tour, right. Uh, one show. But when you're a smaller independent band, and we know there's a lot of hard-working bands out there touring up and down the East Coast and the Midwest, and not here in California, there's not so many tours right now, but um, it can just be completely devastating for them. So, you know, it, they're still struggling, I think is my point. And it, it, it's not completely bad. I mean, the number one way that they make money and again, all of not just the songwriters, but everybody that's in the band, if you're touring, you're going to get a slice, right? So the guitar player who didn't write the song and the drummer who didn't write the song, at least they get paid as opposed to streaming where they're not going to get paid at all. So if they're not touring and or something gets canceled and they have to recoup those losses, sometimes they have to refund those tickets out of their own pocket, obviously, right? And if they had to spend it to fix their bus or rent hotels or get a new amp or whatever, I mean, you know, that's a really tough blow. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys are holding tickets to something that got canceled, you know, you're obviously going to get your money back, but you were going to go buy some beers and paper parking and put, and buy a t-shirt. So go ahead and hit their website and see if you can help the band you were going to see anyway. Right, because for a lot of bands, it's still a huge struggle out there. Very, and then the whole va- then the whole vaccine policy rolled right into that. You know, so and I know for people going to concert, I know that I've had to look up like ten minutes, twenty minutes, you know, a day before, three days before. You look up the COVID policy for each venue you go to, and it's so fluid and it changes so frequently that sometimes you don't even know what it is. I mean, I went to uh, the new Raiders Stadium to see Guns N' and Roses, and, and their vaccine policy changed several times on their website. And I really, at the end, I'm like, well, do we need a mask or any vax proof or any negative? T-? I didn't really know what it was. So we just showed up and they didn't ask for anything and you were supposed to wear a mask, but it was Guns N' Roses and there was 20,000 people and I didn't see any masks. So um, the the policies are, they're changing all the time. So I think for the consumer, it's really hard to know, you know, until the last minute, what you're going to have to do. And they did a poll, let me get the poll number and put on my triple focus here so I can see. 67% of US fans want the vaccine or mask mandate at concerts. That's a lot. And then it says 70% um, said that. Oh, wait a second. I can just read my own handwriting. Um, it said 70% who are actually going to concerts. And, you know, the 67 was in general, but the people who are actively going to concerts, 70%. And then Eighty percent, almost all, want some kind of policy at the door, either a vaccine or a negative test. That's almost the majority of concert goers, you know. So, I know that there's some bands out there that don't want to play now if if they are having vaccine mandates, and then there's other bands that have canceled camp- on both camps have canceled that they won't play if there's not a vaccine mandate in place. So my, my point is touring is still a little bit rocky right now. You know, and you don't really know, and especially as a performer, and this is their livelihood, you know, and I know several bands that have had to cancel because of COVID and several several shows in a row or the whole camp, or the whole tour it's just really devastating to them at this point.
1: Well, I I will say this for these artists that are canceling shows because they believe they're taking a stand against these venues that are, have a, have a mask or vaccine policy. And, you know, they may think that they're taking a stand against, Whatever it is, totalitarian government, or you know, the rights or whatever freedoms, and all right. but in the end, what you're really doing is you're screwing all those restaurants that are mm-hmm. that, that live off of those theaters. You're mm-hmm. you're basically screwing the whole community where those concerts are happening, and you know, the fact of the matter is, however you want to look at it. It's a private venue, and a private venue has the right to do whatever they want to do. They can, you know, everybody remembers the no shirt, no shoes, no service. It's no different than that. And, you know, you may disagree with it, but to cancel a show on that premise because you think that you're standing up for freedoms. You're not. Right. You're screwing over the waitresses, the bartenders that rely on tip monies on a Friday, Saturday night or during the week to pay their rent, pay uh. their groceries, feed their kids. That's what you're doing. Oh yeah. You're screwing them. And uh. you know, I don't know why a vaccine has to be politicized like that. It's not. The venues are careful because of the potential litigation that may yeah. arise from it being determined as a hot spot by not right. enforcing Local COVID mandates, right? Right. So that's what they're doing. They're not doing it yeah. to be vindictive or mean or whatever. They're doing it to, to one protect themselves, and two, still have policies in place that allows people to go to a show.
2: Okay? Exactly.
1: And yeah, you know,
2: when you, yeah, when you cancel, they it's not only the the servers and all the local hotels and cuz people go in to places and rent hotels and they rent cars and maybe they stay for a few days especially if they're in California for a show or whatever but if you cancel or it gets canceled because of vaccine or the, the they say we're not playing you know you've got lighting guys you've got back of house you've got rig guys you've got guitar techs you have every single person that's in that Arena or that club is rely, is counting. that's their paycheck. That's how they make a living. you know. And I you know I I'm, I think Live Nation and AED are coming to some kind of a standard policy that you have to show proof of vaccine and wear a mask, right? And so, in that case, uh, you know, people who are not vaccinated—I have lots of my friends that aren't—and you know, I really have to respect their opinions. Like, you know, I mean, I got vaccinated because I wanted to help all my musician friends get back to work. Right, so uh, I understand both sides of that, but it would be nice to have clear policies. And um, and I feel bad actually for all the bands that are having to cancel because they are getting COVID in their their camp and they've had to cancel. And because again that affects everybody's income that's involved with that tour and it's it is hard to recover from something like that. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean I really don't. I I hope that 2022 looks a little bit better for people and I mean, we really have, in Southern California, and the West Coast has basically been ignored pretty much this whole year for concerts. There's been a few. They're picking up right now. And I think most of our venues here, I mean, well, I'll tell you, I went to Ohana in Dana Point um, at the end of September. And the first line that I came to, and there was, I'm telling you, it was kind of, even for Ohana, it wasn't authoritarian, but you knew you were coming up to something, right? And I'm like, oh, what's going on here? This doesn't seem very aloha and it was a wall of um, people and you had to show you proof of vaccine or you weren't getting past that wall. Wow. And you had to get an orange uh, armband. So you got the orange armband and you could get it. But you weren't getting into that venue without a vaccine. You had to show proof.
1: Well, I told my tale of the Nick Perry stretch show where I always have my vaccine card in my car and went to dinner, took an Uber over to the show, got out. And then all of a sudden I hear, get your vaccine cards out. No entrance, no okay. vaccine cards. I'm like, and the show is going to start in like 25 minutes. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, I left it in my car and I couldn't, you know, I mean, I was mad, but I was mad at myself because I'm like, these guys are just doing their job. So I got an Uber. I Ubered back to my car, Ubered back, made it to the show just in time. Because I had to have a physical copy of my my COVID card, my vaccine card, and then when I went and saw Black Label last weekend, Black Label Society, I had to have a a uh, vaccine card for that show too as well. This time I had it on me, but I asked the you know the the attendant, I'm like, hey, you know, if I have this picture on my phone, if I have this scan on my phone, will that be okay? And she said yes. So I don't know if all venues are like that or. Certain ones are and certain ones aren't, but yeah, you are right. There is a lot of mixed messaging and I do wish the messaging would be more consistent, but yes. you know, it's the world we live in at this point.
2: It is. Um, they accepted vaccine, a uh, picture of a vaccine. So, but the rest of the day, van- I didn't have to show anything at, you know, Guns and Roses and I've been to a ton of concerts and I haven't had to show it anywhere um, other than Ohana. You know, and that was an outdoor festival, by the way, with a nice ocean breeze. So, uh, but they you had to have it. Uh, it would be great. You know, I don't know. If, excuse me. I don't know if AEG and Live Nation are going to come together and come up with some kind of a blanket policy that like all the other clubs could kind of just adopt. You know, it would be cool if you're going to have a vaccine. Uh, you need to show it to get in. Why don't you just everybody say a picture of it on your phone is fine. Right. I mean. That's simple. Yeah. And I think if they can make it simpler for us, um, and, and I think if we could do that, it would also make it safer for everybody and the bands would be more comfortable, you know? Um, because, you know, they're, I always get the meet and greet, and so a lot of the bands are not doing the meet and greets anymore with, the, with this, this time around because they just can't put themselves in danger, you know, at all. So that was also another source of uh, revenue for them at gigs, right? Because you pay 75 bucks extra 50 or a hundred or whatever it is, and you get to meet and greet with the band and hang out with them, right? And I know that a lot of bands, you know, that's where they make, it can make a little bit of bank, right? You yeah, know? Yeah. And um, it's not an option right now. So I I don't know how how... I, I don't, I'm looking into the future for 2022 and I'm trying to picture it and I just, I can't quite picture it. I mean, Coachella, for example, changed their policy already like three or four times, you know, and they sold out, they're sold out of course. So Coachella first said you had to have proof of that and nobody was coming in. If you refused to show it, you weren't getting in. And then they changed it a couple of days later and said, okay, we're okay if you show a negative test within 72 hours. So now they have the policy that it's either you show a negative test or a vaccine, but you have to show one or the other. So, but they, they changed it. And then who knows, they could change it before. I mean, April's a long way away. It could change again. So, you know, I, I think basically if you're planning on going to a concert uh, moving forward, you're probably going to have to have a vaccination and proof of it. And I'm not sure where the negative tests are going to be allowed or not.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how this stuff moves forward and its numbers get better. Hopefully, they do get better. Oh, uh, God, yeah. You know, hopefully, 2022 20, is is a better year than 2021. I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning of 2021 and of 2020 that I will have already been to over 10 concerts this year. Mm -hmm. I would have said, you're crazy based on what had happened in 2020. But, you know, I'm I'm pushing a dozen concerts and, you know, this whole idea that, you know, freedoms are going to be taken away. I haven't felt that. I haven't felt like my freedom has been threatened. I just look at it as, you know, we got to do what we got to do. It's the time, you know, we got to take care of each other and look out for one another. I never felt like, masks are going to be permanent. I don't think that they are because yeah. even in the summer when numbers got better, or earlier this year when numbers got better, the mask mandates in Cook County, Illinois, where I live, got basically were optional. Masks were optional in places. yeah. So it wasn't like yeah. you know we were, we were going to be wearing masks permanently. I don't buy that at all. I just think that we just got to get through this and we got all got to do our part. And I don't know why that's hard to understand for, for some people, but... What
2: well, you? you know, I felt because when I went to Ohana, so we this is a group of people I've known, uh, you know, Pearl Jam fans for a very long time, and we only see each other at festivals and concerts, and everybody's flying in from everywhere, Europe and Canada and um, all over the states and South America and what have you. I quite I felt actually, you know, I'm not the biggest act person. I'll just tell you that I'm not, you know, but in this case, I was felt. So, so Much more comfortable knowing that I was going to be hugging and kissing people all day that I haven't seen for two years or whatever, and that we were all vaccine, you know. So, I mean, it adds a level of uh comfort. I don't know if it's, if it's safety because you know, I understand that it's still so transmissible and and you can there's breakthrough cases, I understand that, but I felt a lot more comfortable hugging all my friends knowing that everybody had to show that they were vaccinated you know and I mean I'm not and again I'm not taking a pro or anti I mean I just for me it was the right thing to do and it added a level of comfort now I'm going to some big concerts I'm going to a sold out I'm going to the Rival Suns at the House of Blues which is sold out and if you've ever been to the House of Blues in Anaheim when it's sold out it is you know elbow to elbow you're just packed in there I mean, it's like so tight. I mean, I don't know what the policy is. I haven't read it yet. I'm waiting till I get closer to the event because again, like I said, it changes so often, but I really hope that they either have negative tests, which I'm comfortable. If you have a negative test, that's totally fine. Or you're vaccinated because we're all going to be on top of each other. You know, that's a concert, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and, for all of those bands that are out there braving it through, I mean, you have to realize, you know, a year about without touring for a band or a year and a half or two years or whatever it's been for some bands now, that they're still together, you know, that they didn't disband because they had no income for uh, 24 months. It's a miracle. It's like that's tenacity and and a commitment to like see it through and all I can hope for 2022 is that, you know, uh, the venues do straighten out policies and most of the bands that are touring bands can get back out there and start making money. You know, that's my hope for 2022.
1: And we will end on that. It's a perfect way to end. Let's keep hoping for better things in the future better things for these emerging bands as they get more recognizable and are able to tour more freely and play. So let's, uh, let's hope that things continue on an upward trend in 2022.
2: Fingers crossed. All right, Christy.
1: Well, Hey, thank you. And you're always a great guest. You always, uh, great conversation. So everyone that's Christy and Eagle. I'm Jay Scott. This is the hook rocks. Take care of yourselves. We'll chat soon. Thanks.